Howdy, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Josh Carr Show. My name is Josh. That's why it is my show. Anyway, uh, getting to today's podcast, today's episode, we're going to be talking about the 2024 election. I'm very excited about this episode. There's been a lot of developments. We're going to be talking about some of the polling that has gone on recently, especially in Michigan and Iowa, as we approach the first Republican primary debate. Unfortunately, as you can see, I still have some craziness going on in my left eye. If you're uh, if you're listening, then you're spared from that. But if you're watching, apologize. I had surgery on my eyes. Hopefully that blood will dissipate a little bit so it doesn't look so weird. But thank you for being with me again. Let's get into the 2024 election. The elections right now in America are really a soap opera. American politics, like I, you've heard it said before, the most unlikely thing that could happen is the thing that's going on. That, that's always how it is now. It's crazy. And that really became a thing in 2016, or I guess I, I should say in 2015, when Donald Trump started getting into politics. I was thinking, I was just running through my head today, and I was thinking about the election, some of the likely outcomes, some of my opinions on it. And what I realized was, this is like a drama that we're living in. It's not even real anymore because of some of the corruption things that are going on. It's just the way, like... I think about who Joe Biden is and I think of who Donald Trump is. And I'm like, how are these people just thinking logically about who they are as people? How are they the front runners in this race? And we're going to talk about how that is. And if I think Donald Trump is going to be the nominee after all really quick, though, I'm taking a pause, subscribe, like comment down below what you thought of this episode. Please support me in my effort to make this content and to combat the woke media um every subscription every view counts so i appreciate your support getting into the 2024 election it's a it's a movie it's a movie at this point the soap opera we have trump as the movie star he's literally a movie star <laughs> I, I, I say that like he's playing the part of the movie star but he literally is a movie star rerunning for the election as a senile old man is in power but it's actually being puppeted by who knows what hope probably barack obama and he's trying, and then the senile old man is trying to put the movie star in jail. We're living in a movie. Let it be said that literally anything could happen in this election at this point. That's kind of the main theme of this podcast is yes, Donald Trump is the front runner, but as I'm going to show, I'm going to use the election of 2016 as a big example of anything could really happen in this race. We do not know what will happen, especially as we come into the first Republican. Uh, debate, which is going to be here in looks like like two and a half weeks, August 23rd. Let's look at the 2016 election actually right now. Um, so if we go to, I'm going to be using 538.com. If you guys haven't heard of 538.com, they're not a sponsor. They make it real, like they, for polling for presidential candidates as well as Senate and congressional uh, candidates, they outline the data in a really good way in good timelines. So I'm using them today, just a shout out to them. I just wanna pull up, I'm gonna put it on the screen too so you can see it in for 538, um, the 2016 election. If we scroll down to May, in May, okay, so this was a couple months ago, our time, I guess you, should, you could say. May, the year before the election, Scott Walker was in front. So here we have like Walker up by five points, uh, we had him up by two points uh, out of all the people. By that point, we had Trump in, Cruz, Rubio, Ben Carson, Chris Christie, Carly uh, Fiorina. So p 
people were in the race. Scott Walker was winning. Take it to right now, okay? So the right now of 2016, which was in August of 2015, Trump is ahead by two points. Two points. That's not, I mean, that's not that much, okay? As we're going to talk about in a second, that gives you a big clue into what could happen with some of the other candidates. He's only up by two points. He was at 17%. We have Ted Cruz at 9%, Rubio at 8%. Jeb Bush was at 15%. I don't know about that one. That one seems kind of crazy. <laughs> I like People don't like Jeb Bush. But I don't know. I was kind of young during the election, so maybe I'm wrong. Fast forward uh, to, let's see, like mid-September. Trump is now up by 20 points. He's got 31% of the vote. The only person that's even close to him is Ben Carson at 20%. Carly Fiorina also gained some steam at 11%. But Trump is way up there, especially compared to Kasich and Cruz, who were kind of the people who started to pull ahead in the end and start fighting Trump. Kasich was at 3%. Cruz was at 7%. Again, Trump is at 31%. So what this means was that before the debate, Trump was barely winning or tied. In some, some polls, he said he wasn't winning. And after the debate, he destroyed the Republicans, the, especially those establishment Republicans. He just went at them. And it was awesome, and everyone loved it, including Democrats, by the way. And he came out of it ahead, like hugely ahead. He went from two points up to 20 points up. The reason why we're going to talk about this is because the debates are coming up. Anything could happen. We do not know. No one thought Donald Trump would be the Republican primary uh, winner. He would never, we, no one ever thought he was going to be the nominee including Donald Trump, I think. I don't think he ever thought he was going to win. Could be wrong, but everyone thought it was going to be Scott Walker, maybe Ted Cruz. I want to go over the polling really quick for uh, the most recent polling. This is from Friday, okay, August 4th. The New York Times reports in Iowa, again, these are state polling. So not it's not, and, and states do matter. Let me just bring that up really quick. I'm from the state of Utah. Totally different breed of Republicans out there compared to Florida, for instance. I mean, Florida is going to be voting more DeSantis. Uh, Utah is going to be voting way more DeSantis. Whereas you go to Iowa, some of these Midwest um, places, as well as the South, and it's going to be more Trump. So states do matter. But in any case, right now I have Iowa and Michigan pulled up. In the New York, for the New York Times, uh, they reported in Iowa, Trump is at 44%, DeSantis at 20%, Scott, Tim Scott is at 9%, Vivek Ramaswamy is at 5%. Nikki Haley's at 4%. Pence is, Mike Pence is at 3%. Chris Christie's at 1%. The rest weren't even mentioned because they didn't get 1%. Emerson just pulled in Michigan, an even greater deficit between Trump and DeSantis, who is the next up. Trump was at 61% among Republicans. DeSantis, 13%. Mike Pence, 7%. Vivek Ramaswamy, 4%. Nikki Haley, 3%. Tim Scott, 2%. Chris Christie, 2%. Hutchison, 1%. And Burgum. 1%. I don't even know how to say his name. As we're going to talk about, he's kind of a nobody. But yeah, uh, 538 polls. One more time. 538 graphs. Awesome. We're going to come back to those in just a second. What does this polling tell us? The polling tells us that the other candidates have a lot of freaking work to do. I mean, Michigan, Trump 61%. Are you kidding me? DeSantis is 13. That's the next closest. Everyone else is at like under 5%. You got a lot of work to do. So I want to talk about the categories that I have for the candidates. Okay. I want to talk about what's going to go on with them. 
some of the people. And there are people who are running, by the way, that I haven't mentioned yet. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, actually, I probably am mistaken because there's probably too many and some are probably nobodies. But I believe I have all of the people who are running for the Republican nomination here. So I want to give credit where credit is due because they are running. I'm not trying to be like the media who don't even give a single word to people who are literally running for president. But at the same time, if they have no vote, it's like, eh, you know, I don't know. We can't, we can't spend all the time talking about people who don't matter. Anyway, I have some categories for these candidates. I'm going to bring them up. First, we have the Dunzos. The Dunzos are, this is kind of like an award show here. <laughs> the, the, the award of Dunzo goes to, first, Larry Elder. If you don't know who Larry Elder is, he ran, he actually gave Gavin Newsom a run for his money in California. It was kind of exciting there for a second. Uh, used to do radio. Anyway, he, he's not going to, oh, and let me say this really quick. The reason why these people are in the Dunzo category is because they have not qualified for the debate. A reminder to you, if, if, if you didn't know this, in order to qualify for this first Republican debate, you've got to have 40,000 unique donors and at least 1% of the vote. And by campaigning, by a campaigning standpoint, those numbers are not crazy, to be honest. So the fact that they haven't gotten there really shows that they just have no shot and people really don't give a crap what they have to say. That's just me being honest, okay? I like Larry Elder. I like some of these other people. This is just the reality of the situation. Okay, Larry Elder, he's in the Dunzo category. Francis Suarez, he is the mayor of Miami. No one really knows who he is, okay? Dunzo. Asa Hutchinson, people do know who Asa Hutchinson is, but he has not reached the donor limit, uh, 40,000. I don't know if he will. He claims he will, but people, of course, have to claim they will. I, I hear more about him than these other Dunzos, but I still don't think he has enough support. So he's in the Dunzo category for me for that reason. We have Perry Johnson and Will Will Hurd is sorry, let me bring him up separately. Perry Johnson is a businessman, never heard of him. Dunzo. Will Hurd, congressman, never heard of him really. I mean, I've, I've heard of him, but he, he's never really done anything that would put him on a national scale to run for president. So Dunzo, in my opinion, hasn't met the forty thousand dollar or the forty thousand. Um, donors, as well as the 1% in polling. Okay, now you may have noticed that I left one person out. This is Mike Pence. Mike Pence has not reached it either, but I'm going to save him for the next category because he was a vice president and, and he his situation is slightly different despite the fact that he hasn't hit the 40,000 donors yet. He's polling well, below, well above, excuse me, 1% which is the reason why he's going to the next category, which is the losers. Not the Dunzos. Dunzos are like done. These next guys are losers because they're going to lose. And some of them have already lost quite a bit. Uh, this includes Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, Chris Christie, and Doug Burgum. Mike Pence is a loser because he is literally attacking, as I'll talk about more, he's attacking the Trump base. But the non-Trump base are like the neutral Trump base are with DeSantis and the hate Trump base are mostly with Chris Christie. So Mike Pence literally just has no base. Like he's attacking this huge group of Republicans and their leader and he's expecting to win the Republican nominee. That doesn't make any sense. Same with Chris Christie, by the way. That's why he's a loser. The other candidates who aren't like massive fans of Trump, of course, they're running against him. They just don't say bad things about him which is really smart when he has 61% of the freaking vote that you're trying to win. Nikki Haley's a loser. Tim Scott's a loser. The reason why they're losers is not because they're not good people and good politicians. They are. 
In fact, I really like Nikki Haley and I really like Tim Scott for that matter. So this isn't like some personal, you know, vendetta against either of them. The reason why they're in the loser category is because they're not distinguishable. They don't have their own brand. Like they're good and they did a good job in government. Frankly, they probably did a better job in government than a lot of the people who are not in the loser category because of the fact that you didn't hear about them so much. Like you knew who they were because they had a lot of support from Republicans. But you didn't hear about these like groundbreaking scandals or like the way they fought the left in this crazy way. And honestly, I think that's a plus in a lot of ways just to give them some credit because it means that they're not so self-centered that everything had to be about them. They were just governing well, right? That's how politics used to be back in like the early 1900s, 1800s. You didn't have to hear about politics every single second and get it slammed down your throat. That's not a thing anymore. But anyway, they're in the loser category because they're not distinguishable enough. It's a sad reality of American politics today. That is what it is. Sorry, guys. Um, next one, Doug Burgum. Probably not even saying his name right. The reason why is because he is truly a nobody. He honestly deserves to be in the Dunzo category. But to his credit, he did something kind of savvy to get himself into the loser category, which is that he actually hit 40,000 unique donors. I don't believe he's hit 1% polling. It might depend on the poll. So he may be on the debate stage. I'm actually not sure about that. I think he might be. But for those of you who didn't know, the reason why he was able to get 40,000 unique voters is because he asked people to give him $1, which $1 is just, that counts as a unique donation. And then he, he ha he's self-funding it because he's a businessman. He's got a lot of money. He basically said, if you donate $1, I'll give you a $20 gift card. So he essentially paid his way to get 40,000 unique donors, which is like, fine, if he doesn't need the money to campaign, I guess he doesn't need the money, but you can't fake support. Like, I understand that he wants to hit the Republican uh, debate stage so that he can, you know, boost himself in that way and prove to the, don or the donors and the voters that he's got what it takes to be president. But at some point, if you can't even get 1% of the vote and 40,000 unique donors, is you, like, is the hierarchy and the organization of your campaign really prepared to face off against Donald Trump? I think that was a waste of money on his part. I don't know how he possibly believes that he was going to actually garner enough support after having to pay people to support him. That's just a bad sign overall as a politician. Um, the next up. Okay, so that uh, we got two categories so far. We have a third category and then kind of another category, but kind of not at the same time. The next group is the big boys. Okay, we got the Dunzos, we got the losers, we got the big boys. The big boys are twofold. We have Trump, we have DeSantis. They are big. DeSantis has the opportunity. This is something that people have not talked about a lot, and it's got to be talked about, guys. DeSantis has the opportunity to absorb all the losers and all the Dunzos. Let me say that again. When he, if he can get on the debate stage and prove to everyone else that he is really distinguished himself from Trump. But also, most importantly, from Nikki Haley and Mike Pence and Tim Scott, they will have to start dropping out as time goes on, depending on where they endorse. We know like Chris Christie and Mike Pence are going to lose. They're not going to endorse Donald Trump. Who are they going to endorse then? It's going to be Ron DeSantis. So if he can absorb all of their vote, he may begin to be competitive. Let's go back to the Iowa poll. New York Times reports that Iowa... Trump had 44% of the vote. Okay, big numbers here. Now, my question for people is this. If you like Trump, are you going to vote for Trump or are you going to vote for Nikki Haley? 
you're going to vote for Trump pretty much every time. People who already like Trump are just voting for Trump. Now, if you are a Republican and you don't love Trump, who are you going to vote for? You have a lot of candidates to choose from. Maybe you like Ron DeSantis, you vote for him. Maybe you really like Nikki Haley, so you decide, I'm going to vote for Nikki Haley. It, you have a lot to choose from, and, and you do. Okay, That's why the polling is the way it is. It's got a decent spread at the bottom between Mike Pence, Chris Christie, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, etc. But once those candidates start to drop out, who are you going to support? Donald Trump or any other candidate who's still in? I'm guessing you're going to support any candidate who's still in because you would have already supported Trump. It's Trump and all the other people, for the most part. So what I'm saying is that DeSantis, once people start dropping out, which I have a really hard time believing that DeSantis is going to drop out before other people, once they start to drop out, they're going to, he is going to absorb the losers and the dunzos. If you add up all the losers and dunzos and add it to DeSantis' number in Iowa, DeSantis suddenly has 37% of the vote and Donald Trump has 44%. Now that's competitive. Something could happen there. Now you've got yourself a race. And so for as much as we hear in the media that Trump is definitely going to win the primary, I would caution against such an assumption. I, I'll be transparent about my beliefs. I believe that Donald Trump will win the nomination. But I am not positive. By any stretch of the imagination, it is still anybody's game. And if I had to bet, DeSantis has the best chance. Now, I want to go over the last category, which is like my sleeper category. You've probably noticed I have left someone out of this discussion. Who is it? It's Vivek Ramaswamy. Vivek Ramaswamy was basically a nobody, okay? He was a businessman, very good businessman. He entered politics when he wrote a book, Woke Inc. It's a good book. Go check it out. He's my sleeper pick because of the growth that he's had, and I'm going to put it up on the screen for you to see it. It mirrors Trump's quite a bit. Again, this is according to 538. Trump, I just want to remind everyone, Trump was back at 2% this time. Excuse me, not 2%, 2% up. He was 2 up. So in total, he was higher than Vivek Ramaswamy. He's at 22% at that point. But after that debate, when he slammed people, he jumped a ton. He went up like 12 points. If you look at Vivek Ramaswamy, Let's take it back. And again, this is to, for according to 538. We take it back to, let's see here. The moment that Ramaswamy entered the race, which is in the end of February, he was at about 1%. Pretty much just all of his friends and family. Okay. Trump was at 47%. Now let's jump forward two months to May. Ramaswamy is at 3%. So he's gone up 2% more. Let's take it to today. He's at 7%. So in the time, he has 7x, 700% of what he was when he first started. And the thing about Vivek Ramaswamy is that he is literally everywhere right now. If you've ever turned on YouTube, he will be in every single news organization, every single podcast that exists because he's a fantastic campaigner. So he is my sleeper pick because he mirrors Trump quite a bit and he talks about that. He seems very calculated with his numbers. It's true that he doesn't have as much support, but I think he will blow the, uh, the losers and the dunzos out of the water. The question is, can he catch up to DeSantis? I don't know what the answer is to that. 
But depending on if he does, there's a good shot that he may absorb some of the losers in the Dunzos. Again, going back to what I said about Trump having 44% of the vote and DeSantis having 37% of the vote, if he absorbs the Dunzos and the losers, that was not including Vivek's numbers at 7%. So that 7% could also go to DeSantis tying it up. Or DeSantis' numbers could go to Vivek Ramaswamy. Either way, I don't know what's going to happen right now. But I will say that as has been talked about quite a bit, um, DeSantis is lacking a little bit in his campaign approach. Really quick, before I get back into that, I don't even want to talk about the Democrat side right now because it's Biden. People keep talking about uh, RBJ Jr. I, I can't, I have no words for this one. The, R, the, the RNC is not that smart. The RNC kind of sucks. Everyone knows this. Republicans know this, okay? Donald Trump, literally, he does a fantastic job of destroying Republicans and being on Democrats' side all the time. The DNC is better than that. I hate to say that. They are not going to let anyone but Joe Biden run. Kamala Harris, people have been talking about like Gavin Newsom and Kamala Harris coming in and taking over. No way in heck that's happening. I can't even believe people in their right mind are like, there are political commentators talking about this. That is never happening. They're never letting Gavin Newsom and Kamala Harris come in. Come on, guys. Biden is running. He might win. He might lose. We don't know. But it, they don't eat themselves alive like Republicans do. Republicans fight themselves. Donald Trump literally says the same things about Republicans that Democrats do. That's part of why Republicans like him, to be honest. Like, I'm talking about Republican voters. Republican elites don't, but Republican voters do. Uh, the DNC is better than that. They are way more unified in their party. I mean, you saw... Clinton and uh, Bernie Sanders, as soon as Bernie Sanders dropped out, everyone was on Clinton. There was no disunity. They were locked in. That Nothing's going to change uh, this time. I mean, he literally tells people that Florida sucks. And he's the one that helped Ron DeSantis get into power. He doesn't care. He's just a bowling ball. He kills Republicans. He kills Democrats. Basically, what I'm saying in conclusion is that this is a three-man race. It is Trump, DeSantis, and Ramaswamy. Everyone is donezo. The question is, where will their votes go and what is going to happen at this debate? I think we're going to see a lot of consolidation of votes after since Donald Trump will not be there. But who knows at the future debates when Trump is there, hope, assuming that he goes, which I hope he does, um, we may see a bit of a shift there. DeSantis needs to, he's, he's struggling a little bit with his media approach. He needs to have a rebound and get out there as much as Vivek Ramaswamy. And I think he'll do a lot better in the polls. Um, I am upset with DeSantis for not doing as well with his campaign, but I think it is worth noting that Donald Trump hasn't really been anywhere either. Donald Trump has not been on the media, whether it's podcasts or more traditional media like cable. He's been a little busy in court hearings, which is not his fault, but I think what we're going to see is Vivek Ramaswamy make a lot of improvement here since those older candidates are not as savvy with young voters, as well as just getting out there um, with the energy that he has. Anyway, that is the update on the 2024 election. I look forward to listening to the primary debates this month. Tune into them on August 23rd. I'll be giving my commentary shortly after them. As always, guys, thank you so much for joining me on the Josh Carr Show. Consider, if you like this video, like it down below, subscribe, as well as comment what you thought about it. Thanks.